Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of our listeners wherever you are on the planet. This is World Smart, a podcast of the Aaron Fox Law Firm. We are your hosts and Aaron Fox International Practice Group co-chairs. I'm Hunter Carter. And I'm Malcolm McNeil, and we'll be talking with partners, other lawyers, special guests about topics of interest in the law of international business and international business. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Hunter Carter from the Aaron Fox Schiff International Group. And with me today for t- today's podcast on lithium and Bolivia is my partner and our very special guest host, Sarah Fitz. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, great to have you on. You have a particular interest in this whole area of lithium and mining and energy. You're very active in the IBA. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself before we get started. Sure. My name is uh, Sarah Fitz. I am a partner in the corporate M&A and energy groups. Uh, I describe myself as a lawyer who loves electrons and also a bit of a deal junkie. Uh, The whole area of mining is just fascinating from an ethical perspective and a policy perspective. We can't have an energy transition without minerals and mining. And yet it seems antithetical to many uh, that we have to mine to get clean energy. So how we do it and whether we're going to make the world a better place as a result or just kick the can down the road with new problems is really in our hands right now. And that's why I'm excited to be talking about this. Well, I'm going to remember to call you the lawyer who loves electrons from now on. <laughs> that is a great way to put it. And and you really, you've captured exactly the struggle that I think our friends from Bolivia today and friends in other countries are facing. They have tremendous opportunity and yet the opportunity comes with significant risks. How do you manage them over time? How do you do it effectively? Uh, so we're going to get into that conversation now. I'm delighted to be joined by Carlos Pinto and Pablo Ordonez from the PPO firm in Bolivia. Carlos, Pablo, welcome. Hey, thank you so much, Hunter, uh, for the opportunity to present ourselves in, in this podcast. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to to be here and, and discuss uh, Bolivia. So uh, thanks again for, for this opportunity. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you, Sarah. Really happy to be here and, and discuss about natural resources and particularly in Bolivia. Very happy. I'm very happy that we're having this conversation today, connecting New York and Santa Cruz and I think La Paz is where you are today, Pablo? No, I'm based in Santa Cruz, although I go to La Paz quite often. Quite oh, often. Very good. Right. going next week, so I'll spend some time there. And, and uh, as you probably know, uh, La Paz is the base of the executive branch in Bolivia, so some decisions are taken there. That's exactly right. I love visiting La Paz, uh, especially because at this time of year, it's always very cool and very nice. It's high up in the mountains, of course. A little hard to breathe the air when you first land there, but you adjust quickly and it's a terrific visit. Um, But Santa Cruz is warmer. I guess we're all facing some warmth and maybe that'll be uh, part of our discussion today. But before we kick things off, uh, maybe Carlos, if we'll start with you, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself professionally and about your firm. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so my name is Carlos Pinto. I am a partner at PPO. Um, we're a law firm based in in Bolivia. Um, I particularly head the firm's um, corporate practice, and within that corporate practice, 
the banking and finance uh, practice as well. Uh, our firm is the largest in headcount. We have close to 70 lawyers distributed around the country. And by, by this, I mean, uh, we have five offices in, in Bolivia, one in uh, La Paz, where, which, where, which you just mentioned, uh, another office in Santa Cruz, an, an office in Cochabamba, which is uh, basically in between La Paz and, 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 and Santa Cruz, which is Bolivia's uh, third largest city, I would say. We have an office in Sucre, which is uh, uh, quite interesting because uh, Bolivia, different from other countries, our powers are are, are uh, set up in, in, in different cities. So our judiciary is in Sucre. So uh, of course, us being lawyers, uh, not having a presence in Sucre uh, is, is not an option. And uh, finally, we have a, an office in Cobija, which is Northern uh, Bolivia, uh, which borders with, uh, with Brazil. Our firm uh, caters primarily multinationals, multilatinas and, and companies of the region which are which have landed in, in the country. Um, we serve uh, companies uh, carrying out their operations in about 30 industries. And uh, obviously we've uh, given the, the, the type of clientele that we have in portfolio. Um, most of our professionals have uh, acquired a, a specialization on certain uh, uh, industries. No? So in this case, for example, uh, I know we're going to have a conversation about lithium in short, but we have a, a mining specialist within the firm, who is Matias Garron, who's not joined, didn't have an opportunity to join here because he had something, uh, uh, other, other commitments. But uh, Pablo, for example, is a, a tech specialist. He works with, uh, I'm going to let him do the, the talking himself, but I, I would like to just say that, you know, he works with most uh, uh, mining projects uh, taking place in, in the country and basically helping with, with all their, the, the uh, tax aspects of their businesses. And I do obviously the corporate, the corporate work uh, for them. So that, that's kind of the, the firm is set up um, in, in, in general terms. Pablo, tell us a bit more about yourself. Thank you, Hunter. So, well, yeah, as Carlos mentioned, I'm a tax lawyer. I'm specialized in tax, although I have a strong background in uh, natural resources. And my, my previous uh, working experience um, was as an international tax manager for an oil and gas major, European gas major, uh, where I had the opportunity to, to learn and to train myself in, in, in the different areas of, of natural resources from, from prospecting, exploration, moving into production, and, and, and ultimately including uh, refining and, and commercialization of, of oil and gas products. So as a consequence of this, I have, I have a strong background in, to, in natural resources, and, and, and that's how I end up helping Carlos and my partner, Matias, uh, when dealing with uh, mining and later uh, with, with lithium, you know, um, as we all know, the, the, the tax tax regime and legal regime, uh, when it comes to exploitation of natural resources, follow pretty much the same patterns. So I guess that's the reason why I'm joining you guys in this in this podcast. Okay, well, thanks, Pablo. Uh, Carlos, let me ask you uh, first, and then Pablo, tell our listeners generally, what is the state of business in Bolivia these days from the point of view of yourselves as 
lawyers who advise uh, foreign companies, multi-Latinas, uh, doing business in investing into Bolivia. What's the state of things today? So, um, look, and I think in general, uh, Bolivia, as, as, as I'm sure you, you, you are aware, we've had about a decade of, uh, or over a decade, I would say, of sustained growth at, uh, I don't know, I would say 5% per year GDP growth. And um, obviously, this was until the pandemic. The pandemic uh, brought um, um, some uh, circumstances which, were, which had required the state to make investments which weren't uh, mapped. And well, uh, by 2023, what we have currently is uh, projected GDP growth by, by approximately 3%. And um, however, we have a situation you know, where uh, our fiscal deficit is historically high. Uh, this is primarily led by subsidies that the state provides uh, to the population to supply diesel oil which is leading to a high demand of, of dollars. No? And uh, in, 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 in another situation that we have is that our uh, international reserves are low. So these two situations, putting it plainly, uh, have created a shortage in dollars for, for exporters, uh, sorry, for importers. Uh, and obviously this has in turn generated some, some sort of inflation. Um, I would, I would say low at the moment. Um, so economic wise, uh, from an economic perspective, I would say that we're not, we're going through a, 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 an economic hiccup. I would say that. Um, now from, from an investment perspective, I would say that uh, we're, I mean, the, 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 I think situation and conditions are very good. The government, which during those uh, that decade and over, I would say, 15 years even, uh, has had the uh, ability to develop large-scale projects with with its own resources, is now in a situation where it doesn't have uh, as much resources to develop them. So it's looking into the private sector uh, to find a way to to develop them, and uh, obviously this is a um, I would say step forward. Uh, leaning to towards the, the the private sector for uh, economic growth, basically. So um, I, I would say that that's that's what we're seeing, you know. And 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 by this, uh, I think the situation is also um, having an important uh, weight in how companies, uh, multinationals, and I would say primarily multi-Latinas are seeing Bolivia, you know, uh, Bolivia. Uh, could be seen as a or understood as a risk, risky country to do business, um, and uh, but 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 that at the same time can can generate uh, incredible uh, benefits for for a business that is, that is carried out correctly and properly. So um, we're seeing uh, multi Latinas coming to coming to Bolivia to invest uh, for for the first time and. Uh, I, I think it, it's it's a wave. We're, so we're seeing that with with multinatinas and uh, and and also in the mining sector, a huge activity. Uh, I would say in the past three years, more than in the past twenty years. So it's an incredible uh, wave of investment that that we're receiving 
I would say by these players, these very important players on, on the one hand, and then this industry, which is becoming uh, strategic for, for the country. Well, certainly uh, Bolivia is a country that enjoys remarkable natural resources, both in the mineral rich regions of the, of the mountainous areas in the Andes, as well as the hydrocarbons in the, in the uh, eastern part of the country. Uh, and, and really that mining point that you made brings us to our conversation topic today. So let me turn it over to Sarah Fitz, who knows a lot more than I ever will about lithium. Um, and how important really Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile are uh, in, in terms of the world's um, expected rapid growth in demand for, for lithium. So, so Sarah, it's all you. I'm going to enjoy listening to this. We did a little research before this call, and we found some fascinating facts about Bolivia and lithium. Um, just for people who aren't, aren't electric vehicle gearheads, a lithium is the essential element in the current technology for particularly batteries used for transportation. So they are, um, and it wasn't, it isn't that lithium is scarce in the world, but lithium that's uh, processed for commercial use um, is rare uh, because there hasn't been a demand for it. Uh, and so right now we're in this new um, age of exploration uh, as countries are trying to identify their lithium resources and to convert them into uh, a commercial product. And meanwhile, other countries in the world are really uh, focused on securing not just electrification and uh, transition to clean tech, but control over the whole supply chain. And I think the focus and understanding on this really came into uh, understanding among policymakers and politicians, at least in the West, uh, after the Ukraine invasion, where the ability of Russia to threaten to cut off gas supply to Europe uh, really forced people to reckon with the fragility of, su of supply in a way that we in the West haven't thought about since the oil embargoes of the 70s. And if you look at the legislation that was adopted in the U.S. around um, around energy and, and dig a little deeper on the part that goes to transportation and transportation technology, suddenly it doesn't look like a green energy bill as much as it looks like a national security bill with a real focus on onshoring production of all things automotive into the U.S. and into countries with which we have free trade agreements. And so that really changes the way uh, we think about things uh, because five years ago we were talking about globalization and lowest cost supplier and just-in-time delivery, and that's also last year. Right now we're focused on security of supply, security of supply, security of supply. And so that puts, from what we can tell, Latin America in the hotbird seat, because according to the World Economic Forum, 60% of the lithium resources that have been identified are in Latin America, particularly in uh, the lithium triangle of Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile. And there's a lot being written about whether there's going to be free trade agreements between some or all of those countries in the U.S., uh, how they're going to work together, um, 
Uh, I've seen several articles referring to the new OPEC, which would be control over lithium. So we don't know anything about that, and we're excited that maybe you can help enlighten us. Sure, that, that's an interesting question, Sarah. Um, in, in terms of policy, uh, when it comes to exploitation of, of, of lithium resources, I guess I can identify um, two patterns. One, privately owned uh, pattern, which is basically followed by Argentina, meaning that uh, you have the kind of uh, typical kind of concession tax and royalty scheme, you know, where a private investor uh, is entitled to to explore, exploit, and 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 the, the resources, and and later uh, obliged to pay uh, taxes and royalties. So that's pretty much the, the purely privately owned scheme. There's another on the on the other hand, we have uh, the, the Bolivian perspective when it comes to exploitation of lithium, which which was basically publicly owned only. For such purpose. Uh, the Bolivian government has created a national state-owned company for lithium named YLB, Yacimientos de Litio Boliviano. And, 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 and the, the policy that, that the government has been following over the past decade was basically to promote that this company um, explores, produce, and ultimately uh, build... Uh, a factory, a factory plant to produce batteries locally in Bolivia. So, um, so those were basically the, the two, two alternatives uh, within the, the lithium triangle when it comes to exploitation of, of the resources. Now, over the past six months, we've seen a, a shift in, in, in the Bolivian policy pattern uh, consisting in um, a change in, in, in the way that the lithium will be exploited. And as a consequence of this, the government has recently announced a sort of uh, joint venture agreement with so far two companies, one Chinese company and the other a Russian company, it, which it seems that it, it will make the, the, the state-owned company a contract with, um, with, this, with this Chinese and, and Russian company in a sort of joint venture agreement. Okay. Uh, interestingly, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chile has announced a change in their policy as well. Uh, and according to these, uh, according to, to, to the reports that um, I have, I have studied, um, uh, under the Chilean policy, um, the state will have an important role when it comes to the expo- exploitation of the new resources of new areas of lithium in Chile. So as, as a consequence of this, I guess right now we're facing three alternatives, one publicly owned, one in between with JVs, with national owned companies, with JVs, with private companies. And on the other hand, the publicly owned company, uh, publicly owned scheme only. Um, also, recently, Mexico has announced the discovery of, of new resources, of new lithium resources, not in salt flats, as in Bolivia, as in Chile and Argentina, but in rocks. And, and, um, and due to these new discoveries, uh, Mexico is trying to, you know, to become a relevant player 
and considering the, the, the size of the Mexican economy and the and, um, a political, important political influence that uh, Mexico plays across Latin America, uh, uh, the president of Mexico has been advocating for some sort of uh, lithium OPEC, which I guess it is what you've been referring to, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Per- yeah, perhaps. So sorry, sorry about this. Uh, about interrupting. Um, but just to add something that, that Pablo was uh, was mentioning is that um, the Mexican. We understand by conversations we've had with with uh, Bolivian authorities and and with people you know from pretty much all over Latin America. We understand that Mexico is intending to pursue a contractual model similar than that which was uh, developed by, by Bolivia, which is a, basically the joint venture world is where the state will have a, a significant portion of the of control over over the the resource. And um, just I just wanted to add that as a as a comment. Right, and I think Mexico with the national oil company probably has a lot of experience on those kinds of arrangements. Um, I don't know if this is the right forum because we're getting really into geopolitics, but I have to notice that Mexico already has a free trade agreement with the U S there is talk. There's a fairly there. I think there's a a, a treaty that's fairly close to being ratifiable between Chile and the U.S. covering lithium. Uh, Bolivia, however, is now, um, I don't know what to say, on, on the other team, uh, having entered into uh, possible arrangements with uh, Russia and China. So I don't understand the big picture implications of that, and perhaps you can share what your thoughts are. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, so, so the implications are, I would say, quite important, but there's something I would like to add uh, mm-hmm. before going into the implications, um, which is that, as Paulo was mentioning, uh, YLB, at some point, the, the Bolivian state-owned company, realized that it didn't have the capacity to, to carry out these projects by itself, uh, financially or, or technically. So what it did a couple of years ago is uh, launch a public bidding where eight companies uh, from basically all over the world, no, we have Chinese companies, Russian companies, American companies, uh, companies from the region, from Latin America, which presented themselves to, as actors, try to uh, develop a technology which was uh, sufficiently effective to extract uh, the lithium reserves in Bolivia because of where our lithium is, is located. Uh, via uh, uh, a, a new technological process, uh, which was unknown uh, until very recently. So these eight companies competed. Um, six were were basically um, left. Uh, we still have an American company bidding for the for the lithium in, in Bolivia, uh, and I believe one Argentine. Um, however, uh, obviously, but. Well, from recent news, what we know is that two Chinese companies have entered into these uh, these agreements, these memorandums of understanding with with YLB and one Russian. But that doesn't mean that the U.S. company uh, 
won't be, it has been uh, set aside, let's say, let's put it that way, or that the other uh, Argentine company has been also set aside. We understand that they're still negotiating with the Bolivian government. Now, going to the geopolitic nature of all this, I think that Bolivia has understood that, you know, um, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to have an exclusive relationship with anyone, which obviously is 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 definitely not uh, productive for for a country like Bolivia. Um, they the, the country understands how important the resources for for the development of the, of the country long term, and obviously it's going to open up to to all those companies and all those players that that need. Uh, that are interested in, in, in developing the country according to the country's uh, proposed contractual structure. So if that fits uh, U.S. companies, let's say, or European companies, uh, I, I don't think that there is uh, th that the Bolivian government currently would would uh, uh, set aside any 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 of those interests because of, of politics. I think that geopolitically, what the government understands that we have really we have three or four big uh, players: U.S., Europe, Russia, and China. And as long as these players are interested in coming to the country and playing according to our rules, they're all welcome. Okay. Well, that actually is an interesting question, and possibly one that people listening to this podcast are going to be asking, which is. I need lithium or I'm investing in lithium. How do I do business with Bolivia? What do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? What are my big concerns? So I guess uh, going back to, to, to my previous words, um, the contractual scheme, the contractual framework for when it comes to lithium exploitation in Bolivia has changed. So far, we have pretty much something like a production sharing agreement. So you have an oil and gas background, uh, Sarah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty much the same contractual scheme, which will likely entitle the private company to a service fee, mm -hmm. to a service fee, and on top of the service fee, to the recovery of capex and opens. No? Now. Uh, and, and that's the way we think YLB would likely uh, agree with the private with private companies. You know, and, and I'm 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 saying this because none of the none of the agreements have been published yet. You know, so far, this Chinese company and the Russian company had entered into MOUs with YLB, but. After discussions with public authorities, we think that uh, public authorities will likely follow this this contractual scheme due to many reasons. Okay, so I guess w when it comes to when it comes to negotiating with the Bolivian government, the, the way to, to do that is basically to approach YLB uh, to approach y YLB, and it's likely that YLB will will ask for some information related to. Uh, the capacity of these companies um, to use uh, extractive uh, direct lithium technology, and and if, if the company is entitled to, to 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 demonstrate that, then it is likely that they will enter into MOU, and as a consequence of the MOU, into a uh, 
production shedding agreement pretty much like the one I, I have just described. So, so far, uh, this Chinese company, Cattle, uh, which is, by the way, the largest battery producer in the world, has announced an, an investment of $1.4 billion to, to set up their technology for extractive direct lithium, uh, lithium technology in, in, in the salt flats. And, and on top of that, build some, some factories to, to, to industrialize uh, one part of, of, of the lithium that they will, they will produce. Right. So when you're building this kind of new infrastructure, there's opportunities at the mine, but obviously there's a whole ecosystem of infrastructure improvements, um, exports, services for for the companies doing the extraction that also needs to be undertaken. Um, how is that being handled and what are the opportunities for international players that are interested? Yeah, so um, as, as you mentioned, um, for, for Bolivia, as uh, considering the, the, the amount of, of resource that is expected that, that the country has, we're talking about a more or less between 15 and $20 trillion business. Um, so our expectation is obviously that around this, uh, there will be uh, a very important uh, infrastructure developed uh, in terms of uh, plants, obviously, uh, extraction plants, possibly in the future. And, and considering, uh, for example, in, in the, in the Chinese uh, mindset and view, uh, and what, from what we've discussed with with authorities and, and, and local players, uh, an idea is to have uh, some sort of a battery, a lithium battery plant in, in, installed in the country. Uh, obviously, uh, which will employ a, a, num a significant number of, of, of locals. Um, and around that, obviously, we'll, we're probably going to have a important uh, road and rail infrastructure for exportation of the, of the resource. Huh? Yeah. Um, currently, the, 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 the situation is, is complex. It's the, the, the stall flats are, are located uh, above 4,000 meters, meters above sea level. So, um, and, and infrastructure hasn't been uh, appropriately developed in, in the area. But as I was, as I was saying, the, the business is so large uh, from what we know now, um, most authorities think that uh, the reserves are significantly higher than than, than 21 million uh, tons. Um, it is highly likely that those uh, infrastructure will will develop quite quite quickly um, well, uh, around the projects. And do you expect those infrastructure, the roads? The less glamorous roads, tunnels, bridges, truck stops, um, uh, land land ports, uh, export mm -hmm. facilities, et cetera, et cetera, are those going to be also run on a kind of government-private partnership basis, or is that going to be pure, private ownership opportunities? Look, I think that um, we have two situations. Uh, I think initially. Mm -hmm. Highly likely uh, public-private uh, projects, but in the medium-long term, as the state 
um, receives a significant income from, from the, this uh, activity, it, it is likely that the state will want to do it itself. But uh, there's, there's something that, that I, I should mention, no? The state usually wants, wants to develop these projects itself, but to develop them, it uh, carries out uh, bidding processes. So over the years, over this uh, 15, 10 year uh, uh, growth that we've had in the country, We've had we've had companies from around the world develop infrastructure in Bolivia, no? from Spain, mm-hmm. China, the U.S., France, uh, etc. So we think that that's uh, how it's, it's likely that, that that how how things are gonna gonna end up becoming uh, to be. And, and so a, a, a company that's interested in participating in not just the lithium development, but everything that goes with it, uh, is the usual path to find a local partner, to find a, how, how do you, how do you even begin to enter the market? Well, there's two ways to do it. Um, one is, uh, usually the state, uh, depending on the size of the, of the, of the project, let's, let's, let's say a, an infrastructure, uh, highway project, um, depending on the, on the, on the scale, then it will likely launch an international bidding process mm-hmm. where obviously companies from around the world can, can, uh, bid to, to, to get awarded with the project. And then there's smaller scale projects where, um, international companies can couple or can, can partner with, with, uh, with local companies, construction companies, typically where they will work together uh, via a joint venture agreement to develop the project. Okay. And is there a possibility of uh, presenting a project to the government or do you have to wait for the proposal to come out? Uh, And and by this, you mean that unilaterally you approach the government to say, does that happen? And is there a path for making that happen? Yes. Yes. I mean, you could, um, usually typically the state will, will, uh, identify the opportunity and will launch the, the public bidding. Mm-hmm. But if, if, but if the opportunity is, uh, interesting and, and the state and the state, uh, it allows the state to see that, that it could benefit, for example, a region or a, a particular economic, uh, to develop an economic uh, region or a region economically is what I wanted to say, uh, then it would, it, it could, uh, it could contract with, with the public, with a com- private company directly. Maybe I could jump in if you don't mind, sir. I want to ask a question. You know, I, I don't know, Carlos and Pablo, if you could tell us what is the state of the public private partnerships kind of stru- uh, structure or legal regime in Bolivia today? It's relied upon so heavily in other countries. We have a regime. We have a, a PPP regime, which is, uh, I would say, seven to eight years old. It has been implemented in a few occasions. Um, the problem we've had is that soon after the regime was implemented, the legal regime was implemented, we had uh, the, the, the first uh, uh, a political crisis then a pandemic and now we're getting out of the coming out of the pandemic 
and it hasn't been implemented adequately. So for example, we had a, a PPP agreement to develop the Santa Cruz airport, which is the largest uh, airport in the country. Um, the, the government entered into an agreement with a, with a French company, but right then we had the pandemic and, and, and the, the agreement basically uh, got terminated. We had another PPP agreement to develop a port in the International Riverway, um, uh, which is the, we have an International Riverway, which we share with Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay. Um, and that port also got, that agreement also got terminated because of, because of the pandemic. So we have experience going all the way to the signing, but given, uh, you know, uh, acts of God, those agreements have been terminated. And, and since, and since I think for due to uh, pure ignorance, maybe by, by, by privates and, and, and authorities, we haven't uh, been able to, to develop it further. I have a related, I have a related question about experience in Bolivia with the regime that Pablo, you described for the new lithium projects. Um, I have some understanding that that it parallels the hydrocarbons um, uh, investment regime that Bolivia has. Bolivia, of course, famously withdrew itself from the international investor state dispute systems, um, pulled out of ICSID, and, and uh, there's a lot of talk about how that might chill foreign investment because investors wouldn't have a foreign arbitral body to turn to necessarily. And yet, in a lot of those cases, those contracts, I understand, are governed by arbitration clauses of a private nature, not of an ICSID nature or an ad hoc nature. Um, so foreign investors have, under the sort of hydrocarbons regime, continued to be attracted to Bolivia and develop what is a robust market there. And that leads us to think that maybe the Bolivian regime for lithium might also attract uh, foreign capital sufficiently to develop it. But unlike uh, Chile, which has significant existing operating uh, lithium operations, uh, Bolivia doesn't yet have them. It has to build the infrastructure first. Um, has what is your perspective on that? Does 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 Bolivia have the ability to compete with Chile and Argentina, which have more private like models in place already, um, and which may or may not, in the case of Chile, develop a more state model in the future? Um, does Bolivia have the ability to compete in attracting uh, capital without turning to state actors? Sure. Well, much of this uh, legal legal and time tax framework for the lithium industry has been under construction so far, not only in Bolivia, but abroad. Uh, as Carlos was mentioning, the Me Mexican government, for instance, is very curious uh, to know what are we doing here in Bolivia and perhaps following those steps. Uh, and, and perhaps following their previous experience with Pemex, as, as Sarah just, just mentioned, you know, the oil, oil, Mexican oil, oil and gas company that, that had this uh, publicly approach, pu public approach. Okay. Now, uh, so far, the oil and gas uh, legal and tax regime in Bolivia has been very successful. Uh, as a consequence of this, uh, Bolivia became perhaps the second largest gas producer in, 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 in South America. Um, now, we have internal discussions if whether that regime was good enough to promote more exploration, because so far we are uh, experiencing shortage 
in, 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 in production, in, 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 in gas production, not only for the local market, but for exportation as well. Uh, so we have that discussion internally. If, if the, the, the legal and tax framework that we had uh, for the oil and gas was good enough, not only when it comes to production, but mainly when it comes to promote uh, exploration, natural resources, uh, production and exploration need to go hand, hand by hand. Okay. So, but the, the, perhaps our, our best experience with that regime is that it uh, promotes um, the landing of international operators. We have uh, Repsol here. We have uh, Shell here. We have British uh, Gas here. We had British Gas, and, and now we have Shell. We have Total. Uh, we have um, an American company operating here as well, and, and some other companies on, on the service area like Schlumberger, Halliburton, and, and many of those. Okay. So it promotes, the, the, the regime promotes the landing of all these companies to, to come to, 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 to Bolivia and, and work here. So I think that um, in the lithium sphere, the, 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 the aim of, of, of authorities is basically to follow the same pattern. You know? And interestingly, um, the Minister of Oil, of Oil, of Energy and Oil, is also entitled uh, of dealing with lithium as well. So that's one of the reasons that we think it will basically follow the same, the same, uh, the same pattern. Okay. Um, going back to, to 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 your other question, Bolivia has denounced all its bilateral investment treaties. None of them are are still in force. Uh, however, um, Bolivia is trying to. It's not not only trying, but it's advocating to 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 sign new agreements uh, with with countries to to uh, protect in investments, to bilaterally protect investments. Although the model that uh, that the government is trying to implement is a basically a Bolivian model, you know, and um, we know that so far uh, authorities have uh, tried to. To promote the negotiation of these, these these treaties unsuccessfully, because no no country wishes to 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 negotiate uh, a treaty that basically follows uh, you know this 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 alternative that Bolivia is putting on top of the table. Okay. Um, so so I guess the main interest that uh, international investors. Even though there are not bilateral investment treaty protection, it's basically uh, coming to the country with with great geology, with great opportunities in terms of, of um, mining and in terms of lithium and, and perhaps in, in oil and gas as well. Very rich in terms of natural resources, and and um, that's what we are seeing. You know, uh, for instance, at, at the Three months ago, we closed a deal, um, uh, an M&A deal, uh, with a Canadian company that acquired from Sumitomo, a Japanese company, uh, one of the largest mines in Bolivia and perhaps one of the largest in, in the world. Uh, and and they, they came to the country, even though there are some macroeconomic difficulties like in every country, 
they came to the country mainly because the opportunities and the resources and the reserves are there. You know? So that's how I think international investors are approaching in, in, into, into Bolivia's uh, alternatives. That, that's very helpful and very uh, a very good answer. Um, you know, uh, Pablo, I heard you touch on um, political difficulties that occurred in the last few years. Um, uh, President Morales left the country during a questioned recount. There was social unrest. Um, there was uh, the government of Jenny Nanez, who was then jailed by her successor. Um, can you comment broadly for in, listeners who only know these kinds of superficial things about or only know these things superficially um, about Bolivia. What is the general state of stability in Bolivia, political stability and the rule of law? Um, do, do, do foreign investors have something to worry about? Is it only for the boldest and biggest investors? Sure, yes. Um, well, I guess like in every country, Bolivia has its own difficulties politically and macroeconomically. Uh, interestingly, for instance, we've been following very closely what what is happening with Peru, you know, and, and Peru has been under a political instability, interesting political instability over the past years. Still, Peru is still growing. Their economy is still growing. It seems like the economy in, in Peru moves in, in parallel with the pol- political situation. So, and this, I guess, means that politically stable doesn't necessarily mean economically stable you know uh we've we've been carlos and i we've been discussing last week about what's happening in france nowadays you know? in france there are huge social and political unrest still i don't think i don't think france the french economy will will go down even though their social and political stability is 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 significant so um in the case of bolivia um, yeah, over the past uh, over the past years, there's been some instability. Evo Morales has been ruling the country for over for over a decade, and um, and as a consequence of this, um, there were some uh, social movements that took him out that took him out from from power, and uh, and uh, subsequently, Janine Añez. Uh, Took took uh, the president's uh, the presidential office uh, in a transition government that lasted, I guess, eight months. Correct me if I'm wrong, Carlos. Uh, that lasted eight months, and then Janine Añez called for for a presidential election, uh, which ultimately was won by former Evo Morales economic minister, Mr. Luis Arce, who's right now who's right now our president. Now. Um, Mr. Arce is is in power for two and a half years already, um, and uh, what we are seeing is uh, lately a a very strong political battle between Mr. Arce and Mr. Evo Morales, who are basically struggling to become the leader of their political party, uh, specifically for the next election that will take place in two in two and a half years um so that's basically the general framework of what's been happening uh, in the country and um and so far that's how 
we we are. Perhaps uh, if if you will allow me to add something to that, and obviously I I, I adhere to everything that Paolo was saying. Um, I think that to to your question also, uh, Hunter, there's something that the that the government that these left wing governments, Evo Morales and, and now Luis Arce, have always promoted uh, and have been very public about, which is that um, as long as companies don't get involved in politics, they will be allowed to operate with normality in the country. And that's what we've seen over the, the past 15 years. We've seen companies uh, of all types, of all industries, come to the country, respect the rules, not get involved in politics, which is something that, that used to happen uh, quite frequently in, in the 90s, 80s, um, and, and be very successful. In, in, in their in their operations. So um, my advice to companies that wish to come to Bolivia is is that I'll just come, uh, develop your activities uh, as you would in any other country. Do not get involved in politics because that obviously will 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 generate a, a conflict and 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 a complexity in in your your operation. And things should be uh, should carry out and should develop quite normally. It's interesting. I think when you know very little about a little country like Bolivia, you only hear the things that catch the headlines and the political relationship uh, between the governments of Bolivia and the United States, for example, which has been kind of chilly now for, for some period of time, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, there's more than meets the eye from the point of view of the uh, global business operation and investors in terms of how things actually work on the ground. Pablo, your comparison to instability in Peru was a, a good one. I think a lot of us Latin Americanists are very much watching uh, the curious political instability of Peru and the curious political economic strength of, of that country. And it's, it's not the only one. Uh, we have much more we could probably say about all things Latin America and all things global. But Sarah, let me turn it over to you to wrap things up. Sure. I'm, I'd love to just do a really quick round of predictions. Uh, so what are your predictions for, uh, very quick, uh, short-term development of, of resources uh, related to lithium in, in Bolivia? Uh, foreign investment, uh, domestic, what do you think would be the most likely? Uh, foreign investment uh, is coming to the country already. Uh, the government needs foreign investment. Um, Carlos mentioned uh, a dollar shortage, dollars shortage that the common that Bolivian economy is going through, and and the government knows that uh, lithium is is perhaps uh, the best alternative to to bring dollars into the economy. According to a public statement of the president, he wants to have lithium production by 2025, uh, which is. Uh, when his uh, presidential term will end. So I guess my prediction is that in the upcoming two years, we'll see uh, a lot of development in, in that industry in, in Bolivia. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, I guess I'm wishing a massive inflow of, of, of investments um, in, into the country, specifically for lithium, 
but it's mining exploration as well. I don't know, Carlos. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I think uh, the agreements that the that the government has already entered into these MOUs already have commitments. No, like Paulo was saying, we have a 1.4 billion commitment by uh, cattle. We have another uh, large commitment by Citic Guan, which is another Chinese company. I think it's like 850 million. Uh, we have the Russians, uh, another Russian company, uh, which is Lithium One. Uh, committing, I think it's 600 million. So I think these are just three of many uh, with which the government, mm -hmm. because of the, as I said, because of the size uh, and the extension of the, of the, of the salt flats, these are just three of many that will likely be coming down to, to develop the, the reserves within the next, in, in the very short term, I would say, uh, within the next two years, I think we're going to have some results. And within the next five years, we're probably going to have massive production that I, I hope, like Paul was saying, massive production in, in the, in the area. And that coupled with, with the, uh, investments that we're already seeing come to, uh, Bolivia uh, in the mining, uh, sector, which is, uh, has been underexplored, uh, historically. Uh, I think I, I see, I see a, a very bright future for, for the country in, in the, the short term. Okay. So the talked about Chile, Argentine, Bolivia, lithium consortium, is that, mm -hmm. is that just academic chatter or do you think has a likelihood of success? I think it has a likelihood of, su of success currently because let's not forget, let's go back to politics. Uh, all three countries have left-wing governments. And uh, relationships, uh, for example, with Argentina, Bolivian relationships with Argentina are historically uh, uh, close. Um, more so with Chile now uh, that we have Boric in, in, in power. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't um, say that. I mean, I wouldn't discard a scenario where where the three countries join and and, and create a, an association or something of that nature too to develop the, the reserves. Okay. Uh, how strong do you think the emphasis in the next 10 years will be over uh, production of commodity on the one hand versus expansion of man man domestic manufacturing within Bolivia on the other? Um, well, I, I think that one comes with the other. In, in, in Bolivia's case, at least, um, the Bolivian government has uh, publicly announced that these agreements are coupled with local development. And uh, for these companies to carry out their operations, they need to think of, uh, of, of uh, um, not only commodity trading, but uh, creating industry in, in, the, in the country to generate uh, jobs which I, th I think all Bolivians agree with uh, is, is, a, is a good idea. I don't think it's going to happen in, in, in the initial phase, but as production uh, grows, I think it would be inevitable. Uh, do you think this is going to be part of a Bolivian transition to a post-fossil economy, or is that not currently contemplated? I think that, that inevitably it, it will. No, uh, our our uh, gas reserves are are being 
uh, depleted with with every day that that goes by. Um, the focus of the government is primarily in in in, in this new sector, which is which is uh, mining and, and lithium in particular. So I think that the way they see uh, the future is is uh, uh, not a carbonized base, but a, but a lithium based. I don't know, Pablo, if you want to add anything to that. Well, in terms of, of global warming and, uh, um, and this transition that we're going through, uh, Bolivia is not an oil, oil, large oil producer. We basically produce gas, you know, which is perhaps the best transition uh, resource, uh, an energy resource. Okay, So I think that the government will still perform um, efforts, we're still doing efforts to to promote more and more uh, gas exploration and production. In fact, the government has announced a couple of months ago that they they have the will to to change the current regulation and to change the hydrocarbons law. Um, With with this particular emphasis of, of, of promoting exploration, um, and on top of that, uh, you know, there's this lithium, lithium. There are these lithium deals, and we have mining as well, and we have some 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 resources that are needed for for batteries that are not uh, lithium only. You know, cobalt, uh, copper, and all those resources that will be developed. The, the, the government is taking action on that. So I guess. We will be in the case of Bolivia. We will be moving into a sort of a multi-source uh, production. You know, so the, the the country will not be reliant on one natural resource only. You know? um, so I guess th- those are the steps that the government is, is taking. Well, that has been a fascinating round of conversation. Great questions, Sarah, and great answers, Carlos and Pablo. Carlos Pinto and Pablo Ordonez from PPO Abogados in Santa Cruz today in Bolivia and the other four offices that you have. Thank you uh, very much for joining uh, me and Sarah. This has been a fascinating conversation. I certainly leave it much better informed, certainly, about what's happening in Bolivia, something that may escape the attention of a lot of readers and listeners. And so I think you've done everyone who's listening to this podcast a great service. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sarah. Sure. My pleasure. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Hunter and Sarah, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Hunter.